Today, I'm joined by Deborah Ho. Deborah is the Managing Director and Head of Southeast Asia for BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager. In this episode, Deborah talks about her upbringing as a child and how she learned about money and investing. We also discuss financial planning for women, managing your finances when you have a family, and her approach teaching her own children the value of money, savings, and investing. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, be sure to subscribe and consider leaving us a review and sharing it with your friends. Welcome to another episode of In Your Best Interest, your personal finance podcast. I'm your host, Philip Müller, and today we will be talking with Deborah Ho. Deborah is the regional head of the Southeast Asian business for BlackRock and country head of BlackRock Singapore. BlackRock is one of the world's leading providers of investment, advisory, and risk management solutions. Deborah is a member of the Asia-Pacific Steering Committee, which is the senior most leadership body for BlackRock in APAC, a member of the Asia-Pacific EXCO, which is a general management group for the region. Globally, Deborah represents BlackRock APAC on the Human Capital Committee, which is the most senior leadership group ensuring the implementation of leadership and culture priorities of the firm. Deborah is a recognized champion for gender and cultural diversity, both within the firm and in the finance industry. She's a global executive committee member of BlackRock's Global Women's Initiative Group. Welcome, Deborah, to the show. Thank you, Philip. Pleasure to be it's, here. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, uh, really excited for our discussion today. Um, so we, for the listeners, we, you know, we invited Deborah today. We want to talk a little bit about, you know, financial planning for women. So we talk a little bit about your background and, and some of the, you know, questions, we, we get very interesting answers because they're always very personal for everyone, right? Is um, that I like to start off with is what was the first money lesson uh, in your life? What, what is the first time you remember talking about, uh, you know, or being in contact with money or right? Things like that. Sure. So, um, well, firstly, it's a long time ago, right? Um, <laughs> and I have to be, I don't know, not even five years old. Um, so my mother, my, both my parents worked. Um, my mother was a teacher, so she worked outside the home. So my brother and I at the time were raised by a Cantonese nanny um, who really believed in, about, uh, in financial um, literacy um, and also uh, uh, basically financial resilience, you know, which is really interesting because actually she couldn't read or write. But um, my brother and I would be in her bedroom you know, after dinner at the back of the house at about, I don't know, 7.30 when dinner was done. I mean, my parents um, you know, were busy doing their own thing. And she would put us both in front of her little TV in her room and um, show us on the evening news the price of gold um, and the price or, or the level of the stock market. And she would explain that the price of gold is important because in times of war, you can carry the gold and leave. The second thing that she told me was uh, the price of land is also important because in Singapore, land is scarce. And if all hell breaks loose, you can plant vegetables in your land you know, and still be able to eat. So it was always lessons about survival and how money basically is um, an enabler. So if you ask me about where and how I learned about money, it's through stories that she told me you know, about how you know, she literally had to leave her family in China uh, to come to Singapore, especially when her plant, you know, when the family farm was blighted by, you know, a silkworm disease. So really, financial literacy and 
I guess independence was uh, ingrained from a very early age for me. That's a super interesting story. Uh, is, is that something that you still uh, like to do? Um, talk, you know, investing in gold or doing real estate? Is that something that, that interests you? Or are you, now that you're with BlackRock, right, you went through finance, are you more interested in, in the financial markets uh, and equities or bonds? But you know, Philip, the world has changed. Right. I mean, when we were talking about the story that I relate to you, whenever I think about it, I have to tell you it's in black and white. It's not even in color. Okay. So those were the days, um, you know, before financial markets developed, you know, and things had to be tangible and you had to literally either touch, you know, basically hold it in your hand or you have to feel it and touch it. You know, financial instruments these days are very different. I mean, they're traded on electronic exchanges. Um, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, the intrinsic trust, you know, that whether it's the world or governments or investors, you know, place in these instruments because you no longer hold a stock certificate in your hand, right? I mean, you basically trade it, you know, on a platform. And so, so I think that, you know, as, as the world has evolved, you know, so have, so have investors, you know, and, um, and, and, and really, you know, as money as an enabler, you know, these instruments are also enablers. Yes, they are enablers. And I think you learned this at a very, very young age, which is quite good, right? Because a lot of people that I know, also friends of mine, because they know I'm in the finance industry, they also ask me, hey, what should I do with my money, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of times I feel like in school, especially if they didn't study finance like myself, uh, I studied finance, I had an, always had an interest in finance, right? So I always was interested in it. But a lot of my friends, they're engineers, um, or they just did an apprenticeship after school, they didn't go to university, right? But they make good money. But they never seen money as the enabler that you just mentioned, right? They save, but they don't necessarily invest. Um, because they're not used to it, right? Uh, I'm from Germany. Also, the, yeah. the, 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 the in Germany, it's very much real estate and not much stock, right? I think the, it's, I, we had the numbers before, but I think it's less than 15% of the population is actually invested in the stock market compared to over 70% in the US, right? Um, so what do you tell, what do you tell the, these people or how, yeah. It, you, you had it at a very young age. Like I said, you got this exposure. Hey, there's, there's investments, there's savings, right? How, how do you see that? You know, I think that um, the, there is a difference between saving and investing, um, which cannot be overemphasized, especially in the world today where interest rates are so low, right? I mean, and, you know, from what we've seen, whether it's post the GFC, um, whether it's, you know, during the, um, the pandemic, you can see that actually the you know, liquidity you know, in the world you know, has never been higher, right? And so what it also means is that with interest rates you know, being, you know, um, being persistently low, it also has an impact on retirement funds. It has an impact on how soon you know, we can you know, achieve you know, some of the, the, the goals, the life goals you know, that we want to have. So for example, if you're just putting your money in the bank, you know, and expecting to accumulate enough for a down payment of a, for a house, um, you, you, you know that it's going to take that much longer simply because interest rates are lower, right? Um, and therefore, I think that it is really important you know, for everyone. I mean, in as much as we learn how to swim, you know, how, how, to, how to drive even, um, is to really learn you know, how to make money work for you 
you know, and I think that one of the, 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 the saddest things I find, you know, in our market these days is that there still continues to be a relative lack of trust, you know, in people who are meant to be advising us, you know, about money. I don't think it's got, you know, primarily to do with the people, you know, who are financial advisors at all. Um, but I just think that it's, um, it's, um, it's the risk-averse nature, you know, of some parts of the population. So I think that this distinction is important. And the more we do um, to try and educate um, everyone um, about, uh, you know, about how to manage, you know, your money to achieve a certain goal is really important. Yeah, the goal setting part and then, you know, seeing progress towards that goal helps a lot of people, uh, yeah. you know, have a better mindset about it and focusing on that as well. Exactly. The other thing I was going to mention is that uh, there's often an emotional relationship with money. And um, inevitably, sometimes when, you know, one makes, you know, one makes an investment or a punt, right? I mean, there's also a difference between a punt and an investment, right? Yes. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, it doesn't go so well. And then it's painful. And then all of a sudden, people associate investment, you know, or punting, you know, with pain, right? Um, and therefore, when you engage something and it, it causes you pain, you try not to engage, right? So, so I think that the most important thing for me, you know, in my journey is to realize that you really have to be detached um, in terms of emotion and money, okay? Because, uh, you know, because actually it's, you know, the money doesn't love you back, you know? I mean, it's, it's just a thing. It's just an enabler, you know, and the better, the better you know how to use it as a tool um, without a lot of emotion, um, the better it would be, you know, for, for you. Yeah, and there's some, some good research. We, have, we had someone on from Stanford uh, about a behavioral finance economist, mm -hmm. and uh, she was also telling us about, you know, the, the, the problem that your losses get magnified over your gains, right? You mm. are so much more worried about the losses yeah. in your accounts than your gains, right? And so yeah. managing that, if, if you already know that that's uh, one of the pitfalls, you right. really need to understand those and, and try right. to work on them. Yeah, I mean, having said that though, I mean, if if there's one, you know, constructive emotion, if I had to, right, if I had to really, you know, associate an emotion with money, I would actually associate it with freedom. Okay. Um, okay. The, yeah, and, and, and I think that this is, this is something that is, you know, much more prevalent, you know, I think in, in current generations, um, because, you know, we, we all want to do a lot more with our lives, right? And we're all living longer and longer, you know, and therefore, you know, if you've got, you know, certain milestones and certain goals in your life, um, and you know, money is an enabler, really, really important to set those milestones in accordance with um, the level of, um, I would say, financial security or lifestyle, you know, that you aspire to have. No, absolutely. And I think, and this is where, uh, you know, we can make the switch a little bit and talk about the financial planning for women, right? Um, so you said, you know, it's about freedom. It's about, you know, giving yourself choices in life. How do you, or do you have any specific tips for, um, for women? You know, they could be at, you know, at the beginning of their career, mid-career, uh, maybe they, they stay at home, uh, maybe they're working, right? For for the different scenarios, uh, what, what are your usual um, tips and tricks that they could use? Uh... Well, you know, Philip, a couple of things um, to preface in our response. Um, firstly, I don't uh, pretend to have all the answers, right? And I can't say that I have a completely 100% track record. Um, but I think the beauty about being a woman is you have so many choices. 
um, that are completely acceptable to yourself and acceptable to a lot of other people, right? Um, and therefore, in order to in, avail yourself of those choices, there needs to be a certain amount of enablement and that, you know, that could potentially, in fact, that will come, you know, with uh, financial security, right? So, I mean, we've all heard about the power of compounding, okay? And it really is true. You know, so whether you're a man or woman, you got to start young, okay? I mean, it doesn't matter how much, uh, but we've all heard about, you know, dollar cost averaging when it comes to investments. That's, that's, and that's very, very true. Right, because you know, no one can pick the tops or bottoms of markets, but also understand that the younger you are, um, the more uh, I would say, the more risk you can take. So equity risk, right? I mean, so in that way, right? I mean, I've I you know, I think that people should understand, especially for women, that if you want to plan, you know, retirement, let's say in forty years time, understand that in that forty year bucket, you actually can take risk um, in terms of the instrument risk as well as the liquidity risk, right? So, yep. I think, so, so um, basically understand that you can take more risk when you're young and also you can, um, you know, you can really save yourself a lot of heartache, you know, by investing a little bit, you know, every month. Yeah. You know, the, the second thing is, uh, you know, understand that there will be certain things in life that I think for, you know, for women we aspire to. So maybe I'll take myself as an example. Um, so I, I, I think that growing up, I kind of knew what I wanted in my life, which I think has its plus and minuses, right? I mean, pluses is because you think that you don't have a lot of uncertainty or you've kind of like um, planned the uncertainty away. That's actually not true. It never happens like that, right? Um, and so, you know, I knew that, you know, by 30, you know, I wanted to, I would be married, um, I mean, this this is like in the old days, right? I mean, you'd be married. I married my childhood sweetheart. We'd have some children. I'd consider uh, I'd continue to be working. I would have owned a property by then. Um, but then in hindsight, you know, I realize now that that's actually not right for everybody. And I don't think everybody, you know, should compel themselves themselves to that aspiration either. However, what that also meant is, it also meant that um. I um I planned you know quite carefully in terms of how I wanted to manage money, um and realized that earlier on my career I could take more risk and so yeah you know we we leveraged you know and we bought you know our first property when we were like twenty five years old or something, right? Okay. You know, um you know so I think that you know, in various stages of our lives if you've got certain plans and understand that you, it doesn't always have to work out, but I think that if we plan according to those things you know it's really important. And it really, and and the other thing is also like there will be times in our lives where you might want to step off, you know, in terms of a career or, or pursue something else or go back to school and learn, you know. Again, you know that requires you know uh, some degree of financial empowerment, you know, to be able yeah. to do that. And, and good planning, right? If you plan proactively, you can have mm -hmm. those things. So that's why we always, me, Freddie, and myself, we always try to tell people, you know, just plan just in case, right? So you can save for your kids' education early yes. on when they're just born that's right even if even if they don't go to university you still plan yes. for it right the that's money right. is not gone you can still use the money for other use cases but it takes a lot of stress away yes. plus it puts that habit into place right you just have a habit yes and i mean the other thing is also like i mean even even if you have this intention you know of investing for your children um i would say be be discerning in terms of where you put your money 
right? I mean, there are there is there are no there's no shortage of financial instruments these days, you know that will um, you know, that that one can look at, um, but I would say be very mindful of the fees. Yes, okay? absolutely. And, and and how much you're paying away, particularly in this low interest rate environment. No, um, because one one thing that we always say also is the fees are the one thing that you can control in investments, right? Mm. The markets will do their own thing over the long mm. run. Yeah, they should, right. you know, move up and right. But right. fees you can actually control. If you're paying a five percent sales charge and a three percent ongoing fee versus zero point zero eight or zero point four percent in ongoing fees, that's Huge. a big difference, right? Huge. Yes. Like, yes. and I always show the graph, right, of what the fees actually compound to be, right. which people underestimate uh, a long time. You know, like they think about like you know, oh, I has I waited too long or I saved only this much. Fees, big, big difference, uh, especially on a, on a 30 year time horizon, right? That's the difference of going, going to a, a nice vacations in retirement or staying at home. It's, it's, it makes big differences. Indeed. Yeah. But Deborah, you mentioned, um, you mentioned uh, you got married, you bought a house, uh, your first property at 25, right? How do you manage your finances with your spouse? Um, because I think we, we get this question quite a bit lot, right? I, I always, you know, I always explain how I do it with my wife. Uh, we might do it very different from you. Sure. But I think it's always a really interesting question because users tend to, from different geographies, tend to be in the US, people are very open about money. I, I feel like from, from, I lived there for 12 years. Whereas in Germany and in Asia, very opposite. It's very much more like, Let's not talk about money so much. Um, but I think to, me being a financial advisor before Stashway for a long time, I obviously I, I worked a lot with families. And I've seen so many times where, you know, money became a big issue and ultimately led to bad outcomes uh, for the family. So I always like to hear from, from, from people to and, and learn a little bit from them of how they do it and how, what was, what's their success uh, in, in, in terms of managing the finances. You know, I think that there are a few things that you know, should be discussed um, ahead of time, right? Yes. Um, you know, so you know, before uh, uh, you know, before we literally like sign on the dotted line, there are some practical issues you know that need to be ironed out, right? I mean, you know, I know it sounds you know quite uh, quite unemotional, yes. um, but there are certain things that we need to talk about. So whether it's about how many children you plan to have. Or what is the basis of a relationship, right? I mean, you know, through time, right? I mean, it was a really in 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 various parts of the world, um, you know, women basically were you know stayed at home, um, and they did a great deal of unpaid work. Um, these days, there are some amount of unpaid work that women do as well, but I think in my case, um, what we did was uh, we established right from the start that it was going to be a very um, partnership-driven you know, marriage, okay? in the sense that we both have a tremendous amount of respect you know, for each other in, in, the, in whatever we did. So my husband used to trade, um, trade FX. Um, I used to sell bonds. Um, and so we were very um, practical about things. So in years, because, you know, obviously in those days, investment banking, a lot of your comp comes through bonuses. So we would calibrate every January. So if, let's say, he made, you know, twice the money I made, then he would have to contribute the corresponding amount into our joint account. And we would also have our own money that we would manage, right? I mean, we would have the same approach when it came to, 
investing, you know, for retirement. Um, and so that, I think, you know, not just helped us financially, but it also um, established um, a much of an equal footing, if you, if you can call that, you know, in, um, yeah. in, in our marriage. There were years when I, I, I took off, you know, to, um, to have, uh, you know, because of the kids and all that. I mean, I, I wanted to, to spend some time, you know, with them. So I took two years off. And during that time, we also came to an agreement that, uh, um, you know, my husband would say, and I would agree that X amount of what he made um, basically was credited into my account um, because of the work that I did you know, to support him and the family. Yeah. And um, he, and, 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 and because he was very, uh, I would say, conscious about not wanting me to feel bad, um, the money would be credited into my account, and it wasn't like he came home and gave me a stack of a st- stack of cash. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I know I know for a lot of women, um, not having your own financial independence um, was a bit uh, was a big blocker. You know, it was yes. an emotional burden, and we yeah. just wanted to make sure that that didn't happen to us. So I think it's yeah. important to have all these discussions up front. Um, I mean, it's, it gets a little bit difficult if you're further down the road, um, but I don't think that it is impossible. I think it really depends on the relationship that you have. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you made a good point there because I remember vividly from my grandparents that my grandma always had a separate jar or like she always had some money somewhere. That's when I like I, I wanted something and she's like, I don't tell your grandpa. But I like here's some money, so I I I do agree. So from for me and my wife, we always talked about money from the beginning, right? So yes. we always said, hey, this is how we're doing it, and we we actually use the same system, coincidentally, mm-hmm. that that you use as well. But um, it was also because I was a financial advisor before I met my wife, so I also learned all the bad things from clients that they were going through. So I always like this is not what I wanted to do, right? I'm 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 also a counselor to them. So what I want to do the best possible way for myself, right? So I sure. think that's a very, very great way of, of, of managing uh, finances. So I, I'm, uh, our listeners will really appreciate that, I think. And, and, and also broaching the topic with their partner is super important. Mm-hmm. The other thing, Deborah, that I do want to touch on is um, finances for your children. We touched it a little bit on you know saving for college. But what I want to get to is, and it's often not talked about so much, is how do you teach your kids about uh, finance? And how do you teach them about, you know, maybe they get an allowance, a weekly allowance, right? Should they spend the full allowance on candy or toys, right? Versus saving for something bigger. Um, How do you do it with your children? So um, I remembered when they were very young, we didn't really start with, let's say, like, here's a piggy bank, right? Uh, we, we we, We talked about choices. Right. I mean, now, you know, mm-hmm. with X number of years of school, you know that these are called opportunity cost. Yes. Right. You know, so you understand that you don't necessarily, you know, have it all all the time. Right. You know, so I think that we started with this whole concept, you know, of having to make a choice. Right. And then later on, I guess, you know, when they were older and you know, we got allowances and things like that, I mean, basically showed them examples, you know, and real life examples. So. You know, whether it is incorporating um, it into the math that they did. And so obviously when they started to learn about 
um, whether it's plus, minus, you know, multiplication, divide, or percentages, um, you know, one could basically translate it back, you know, into in, into daily life, right? And and one of the earliest things that you know we did we did um, instill in them is again, right? I mean, time value, right? I mean, you, we, obviously we don't tell them about you know option value, time decay, and things like that, right? But <laughs> You know, basically tell them that, look, you know, you're only like 10 years old. And let's say you live up to like 80 years old. Okay, that's 70 years. Okay, so let me show you what $10, you know, compounded at this rate will mean in 70 years time. So, you know, obviously we start you know, with very simple ideas. Um, but, you know, but, but we incorporate it, as you say, into daily life. So, they, they, I mean, children are really smart, right? I mean, so when they go with my, my aunt, you know, to the market to buy vegetables, when they come back, my aunt will say, okay, so you wanted this bowl of noodles, it cost you $3, you know, it cost auntie $3.50. So that means that I didn't get to buy these vegetables and we're not going to have vegetables for dinner. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. so in a way um, to equate, um, you know, choices that they made, with let's say you know the sacrifice on the other side if you know what i mean yeah no absolutely and but you said um in the beginning obviously something really important with the low interest rate environment you know saving is important building a savings habit is the first mm. thing right right but then how do you teach kids um the investment part is there is there also ways that you have done it or not yet oh, um, yeah. or yeah absolutely right i mean so <clears throat> I think in terms of concepts, because you know the financial news is all around us, right? Yeah. And even when and, and before long they're gonna ask you, I mean, what is the stock market? Right? And and in a way, uh, I guess it's these periods periods that we speak about, let's say a company, right? I mean, whether you, you know, where, uh, when you need to grow your company and you don't have enough money, you know, what do you do? Right? I mean, and teaching them the difference between um, owing money okay, and selling a part of your money, right? So loans stroke bonds, okay, versus equities, you see. So yeah. I, I think that telling them uh, or rather teaching them this, you know, through stories, okay, is a really good example. I mean, one of the things that, um, a ritual that we've had in our family since they were very young, which, you know, I would highly recommend for young parents, right, is mm -hmm doesn't matter how articulate or you know whether they can speak in complete sentences but at least like three times a week when we have dinner together or a meal the whole family has to talk about three plus three minus three good things that happened to you today and three bad things that happened to you today and everyone has to do it including me my husband you know the grandma and you know inevitably I'll talk about work and then they'd mm -hmm. be curious and then they'll ask questions Right, you know, and that to me are teaching moments, you know, that you can relate, you know, your daily life, you know, to what's you know, to to the questions that your your children are asking you. Yeah. Right, you know, and 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 eventually, I think the stories themselves, um, you know, will will educate the children, you know, in a way. That's no, it's it's very interesting, <clears throat> I, and I have a couple of friends uh, who who have mm -hmm. done it also through products that the kids like to use, right? Yes. If they learn about yes. equities. Oh, you like yes. Disney Plus, you watch shows on Disney Plus. How does Disney Plus get financed? Or like how does a movie get made, right? That's but you right. can also earn part of that company, right? So if the company right. does well. So like that's teaching right. them about that, that's always, uh, I, I don't have children yet, 
but um, a lot of my friends do, and that's how they started to do it now. Um, that's right. And, and so, so that, it's so in a way, right? I mean, it's not um, it's not like putting it in a box. Like this is a difficult topic that you learn in school. Yeah. But really, it's all around us. It's it's just you know part of um, part of daily life, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Deborah. I think that will be super interesting. Um, then one last thing um, that I want to ask you is, we talked about, you know, talking with your spouse about investments. Um, you know, we talked about the children learning about investments. One other thing that's always dear to my heart is uh, when it comes to, um, you know, a financial plan B almost, right? So because not all things go well all the time. And I felt, uh, so I've been, I gave now about over 200 financial planning uh, seminars here in Singapore and in Southeast Asia. And every time I ask one question, I say, how many of you have a will in place, for example? And it will be less than 10%, 100%. It doesn't matter how many people were in the crowd. It's less than 10%. And then there's probably 30% who say they're thinking about it, right? Or they thought about it, but they never have time to get to it, right? And I always tell them, hey, it's actually quite important, especially if you have children and things like that. But they always said, Oh, it's it's such, Philip. You don't understand. It's such a difficult topic to breach with our parents, right? Um, to talk about with you know your elders because it's a not a nice topic to talk about, right? My parents, my I, I'm the the worst candidate here because I tell my parents every year at Christmas when I go back to Germany to do it, and they still not do it because my dad's oh I'm still I'm 63, right? I still have time, but I said you have your own business, right? You need to like you don't, and we all know people who have you know someone passed away and their kids are not speaking to each other anymore right i always give that example to make it real like hey just talk about it. do you have any suggestions for people to breach that topic with their family at all you know i think that the generations are hard right? yeah i mean you know i i think that people have their own preconceived and again you know emotional attachments to such things the way i see it uh is it's something i'm doing for my children uh, um, something I'm doing for people I love, right? Because, you know, I would not want them to go through anguish, any more anguish than they're going through if something were to happen to me. Yeah. Right? Um, and especially for families where you worry about uh, special needs children, that's mm -hmm. even more important. Yeah. Right? Because you don't know, you know, what kind of social safety net, you know, the country or you know, the society might provide, you know, to their child. Yeah. You know, so really it's, um, you know, it's redirecting that purpose, right? I mean, I don't think of it as, well, I'm doing a will and it's a pain in the ass because I've got, you know, so yeah. many, <laughs> so much assets and da, da, da. But really, I think what would motivate a person is, um, is doing it for people that you care about. And that's, yeah. that's the way I see it, making it easy for them. Yeah, taking care of that. That makes perfect sense. So thank you for answering that. And, and then to wrap it up, um, Deborah, I know we're running out of time, but what is one, and there were already many of them, so I will mention them uh, to everyone again after the show, but what is one of the key takeaways that you'd like to have the audience, uh, you know, as a parting gift for today on managing their finances or managing their money? Um, well, I guess, uh, I guess it's better to do something than nothing at all. Um, and uh, and just do it regularly. Yeah, great, great thing. Just, we talked about this habit thing today quite a bit, and I think hopefully that's the one takeaway people take away because it's 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 super super important. Uh, and yes, the earlier, the better. 
Absolutely. And the earlier, the better. Deborah, thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. We really, really appreciate your time. And it was a great conversation uh, and uh, looking forward to speaking and seeing you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for that. That's it for the show this week. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe and leave us a review. The reviews really help us. And we love reading your comments as well. In Your Best Interest is hosted by me, Philip Müller. We're produced by Stashaway and we're mixed by Mo Ramley.